queens, welcome to Dose of Deception with the queens of queens, Shannon and Emily. Join our true crime family where we discuss murders, missing persons cases, mysteries, and a whole lot of conspiracy theories. So stay tuned for the wild ride. Hey queens, welcome back to Dose of Deception. If you're new here, we just want to let you know what we do here on this show. In the first half, Emily comes in with a true crime case, whether it be a murder mystery or a missing persons case. And in the second half, I come in with a conspiracy theory that we discuss. Also, we just want to let you know about our different social media platforms that we have. Our Instagram is at Dose of Deception. We also have a Facebook group where we like to engage with our listeners, which is also at Dose of Deception. And we also have a new YouTube channel that we've started that right now we just have clips of our previous episodes, but we're looking to expand it going forward. So with all that being said, Emily, what are we talking about this week? Today, we're going to be talking about the Springfield Three. Okay, never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a crazy case where three women vanished into thin air, never Mm. to be seen again. These are my favorite kinds. (laughs) Me too. And I also find this one so interesting because usually missing persons cases, it's one or maybe sometimes two people, Mm. but three people to just vanish and with no evidence is crazy to me. Mm. The victims were all from Springfield, Missouri. They were 47-year-old Cheryl Levitt, a cosmetologist at a local salon in the neighborhood, and a single mother to her daughter, 19-year-old Susie Streeter, and Susie's best friend, 18-year-old Stacy McCall. Mm. There's a lot of names, but Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy. Cheryl and Susie were extremely close, and Susie looked up to her mother so much that she actually wanted to follow in Cheryl's footsteps and become a stylist too. Stacy was doing local modeling gigs, and she wanted to continue trying to become a model after high school. Stacy and Susie were extremely intelligent, bright young women, and they definitely would have had successful futures, so it's really upsetting that it was taken away from them right after high school. Mm. The two girls had graduated Kickapoo High School on June 6, 1992, and friends were throwing graduation parties at night, which the girls attended. Um, they actually had planned to stay with a friend named Janelle Kirby, and they were going to travel about 30 minutes to a hotel and mm. stay at a hotel overnight, yeah. um, and then they were going to go to an, a water park the next day. Ooh, that was the plan. However, they decided to just go to Janelle's house instead of the hotel to stay more local and also to be somewhere where they would be comfortable. Yeah. Because the hotel, they were going to stay there alone, really, no, like, parents or anything. Mm-hmm. However, Janelle's family all came over to her home that night from out of state. So there was a lot of people there, and it was crowded in terms of places to sleep. There wasn't much room for anyone. Mm-hmm. So at 2 a.m. on June 7th, Stacy and Susie left to head back to Susie and her mom Cheryl's house. Stacy was going to sleep there for the night and then head to the water park the next morning. Mm-hmm. When they arrived home, Cheryl had recently gotten off a phone call that she placed with a friend around 11.15pm, and they were just talking about how Cheryl was planning on painting a dresser, so nothing was out of the ordinary during that combo. Yeah. The girls did arrive home that night, and their clothing, jewelry, shoes, and bags were found laying around the house, and their cars were also still parked outside in the morning. At 9am the next morning, Janelle Kirby and her boyfriend Mike, who they were supposed to go um, to Whitewater Branson's, the name of the water park, mm-hmm. And Janelle first called from a landline and left a message, but once she did not get a response, they drove 30 minutes to Springfield. When did this happen again? Uh, 9 a.m. the next morning. No, 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 I mean, like, year. Oh, 1992. Okay, okay. Since their cars were all parked in the driveway, they thought nothing of this, assuming that the girls had just slept in too late, because they, they only left Janelle's at 2 a.m. Yeah. It was about sense. a 30-minute drive, or 2.30, actually, they left. Mm-hmm. So, either way, they, they might have just been oversleeping. Yeah. Strangely, there was no sign of Stacy, Susie, or Susie's mother around, but all their cars were still outside. There was no sign of forced entry or anything inside the home being disturbed either. The porch light was shattered, yet the light bulb remained intact and it was on still. Hmm. Uh, Other than that though, there was no sign of anyone but the three women being in the house. 
And also, a lot of people think that possibly, because the porch light, the casing was shattered, but mm-hmm. the light bulb was fine. So people think it might have just happened from the door being slammed too many times. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily say, oh, the, this person broke it. The yeah, it might have already in. been like that. Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, though, Mike swept up the shattered glass because he didn't think anything of it. Mm. He didn't want them to step on it. I mean, what would you have done in that situation? If you came over by me and there was a car that was outside, there was no sign of broken windows or forced entry, what would you have done? Um... I wouldn't jump to, like, you've gotten kidnapped yeah. or, like, somebody has robbed your house or anything like that. But I would definitely be much more suspicious of the light being broken. Yeah, me too. I mean, I don't... I, again, it could have... I would. My mind would probably be like, oh, like, they broke that yesterday and they left it. Like, that's okay. why it would be weird. You know, it's not that the sh- light would have been shattered. It would have been the that it was still broken on the ground. Mm-hmm. That would make me a little nervous. Yeah, but unfortunately, uh, he, he probably tampered with some evidence, uh... If there was any evidence involved in the portrait. Yeah, but same thing. I wouldn't be thinking, oh my gosh, if I sweep this up right now, I'm maybe messing up an investigation (laughs) that needs to happen later. I wouldn't wouldn't be thinking that. (laughs) I I mean, it would make sense to sweep it up and then go in the house and see if anything's wrong. I think that's fine. That makes sense. Inside the home, Janelle and Mike found Cinnamon, the Yorkie, which was, uh, they belonged to Cheryl and Susie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they noticed that he was particularly frantic and stressed out, but he wasn't Mm -hmm. hurt or anything. But he was just really agitated. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. I wish dogs could talk. Like, the the stuff they really see. I know. Yeah. I I mean, realistically, that dog knows exactly what happened that night, probably. I know. It's crazy. Now, Janelle initially thought, oh, they went out for breakfast, maybe. Uh, Maybe they walked there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it did not appear like a crime scene. But once they saw that their purses and cigarettes and other personal belongings were still inside, they got very concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eerily, as if this was in a horror movie, right after Janelle and Mike walk into the home, the phone rings. Mm. Mm. (laughs) The timing. (laughs) Janelle answered it and reported an unidentified male on the other end making inappropriate sexual innuendos. She said it was so uncomfortable, it was so sexual that she was just very, like, just put off by it. Uh, And this creeps me out in particular because it makes me think that whoever was calling saw them enter the home. So Mm. they might have still been around watching. Were uh, the three women still around watching? But, like, obviously they couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And it's also hard for me to believe that this would be a coincidence they called right when she came in. There's no way. It just so happened to ring right then and there. Exactly. 100% they somehow knew that they had just walked in. Janelle and Mike were very creeped out by this, especially Janelle. um, She just felt, obviously, he was saying sexual things to her. So they got out of the house very quickly. Um, this also makes me believe that somebody might have been watching the home for a while and potentially had been inside the home before. Um, maybe they were calling Cheryl or Susie, they were getting these weird calls and they just said, oh, it's a prank call, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they kind of just, you know, chalked it up to being that. That could possibly it. Honestly, honestly, I don't know. I I mean, honestly, it does make it sound like somebody that would have been around, even if they weren't in the house before, somebody that might have been stalking the situation prior Mm -hmm. to the incident happening. Definitely. Now, Stacy's mom, Janice, was very worried about her daughter, but she was actually picking up her other daughter, Lisa's wedding dress that day, and she knew that the girls were supposed to be at the water park anyway, yeah. so initially when she didn't call her in the morning, she didn't think anything of it. Or yeah. she did, but she wasn't freaking out right away. Yeah. So after the day went by, though, she really started worrying, and since this was 1992 and there was no cell phones, she had to find out Cheryl's number, uh, old school style, mm-hmm. using the address book, and then she called her multiple times. However, nobody picked up, and so Janice drove to the Levitt's home. Yeah. She arrived when the sun was setting on June 7th, 1992, and she noticed that the door was unlocked. Janelle, when Janelle and Mike left, they left it exactly how it was. So did Janelle and Mike not call anybody? They didn't call anyone, Mm -hmm. which is very weird to me. That's very weird that you wouldn't do that, especially after the phone incident. Yeah. I understand maybe not right away, Mm -hmm. because maybe you would wait a little bit to see if they turn up back at the house. Yeah. But after that phone incident, like, I'd be so creeped out that I I would would do something. 
Um, I think she just didn't want to get involved with it because mm-hmm. she was probably worried about her own safety too. But if you call the cops, Fair. but I mean, get away from the house and then call the cops from your own house yeah. or from wherever you were, you know, definitely. Now they left the home exactly how it was. So when Janice arrives, she saw that the beds were still slept in and unmade, mm-hmm. which is creepy because that means that whatever happened probably happened in the morning because the beds were mm-hmm. slept in. Right. You would think that it would happen on their way home from Janelle's house. Right. In the middle of the night yeah. instead of early in the morning like that. Janice said that the TV was still on and it was all staticky. Mm. And also all the women's personal belongings were inside the home, including wallets, bags, cigarettes, and keys. Uh, Cheryl was a chain smoker, so her not bringing her cigarettes made Janice extremely suspicious. She also noted that Stacy's clothing from the graduation party the night before was folded neatly. So this is interesting because authorities believe that Stacy woke up that morning and was packing her clothes to go to the water park, which makes it even more weird because everything happened so fast then. And it's also... Stinks because Mike and Janelle then would have maybe just missed them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe that they went right after it happened. That also might be why they were still so close to the house. They might it might have just oh. happened. Ah, oh, I love I love doing these cases <laughs> with you because you see things that I don't even. think I mean, of. that literally could have been like they just got out of the house. They're still on the way out, and then they see somebody pulling up to go into the house, and then they need them to get out of there. Yeah, and so that's why they called and just said inappropriate stuff to get the two of them out of the that house. That is so interesting. Yeah, that's wow. I. That's what I got from it. <laughs> yeah. So Janice is the one who finally calls police. Mm-hmm. However, it's been over 16 hours right. since then. So it's just upsetting. Because, yeah. you know, with missing persons cases, the first day is, like, so vital. Yeah. Especially even the first three hours. A lot mm-hmm. of them get killed within the first three hours. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they waited so long is yeah. really upsetting. Since Janice was not thinking clearly and she just wanted to know her daughter's whereabouts and if she was safe, she said that she listened to a strange message on the answering machine and then deleted it. This possibly could have been the same person who called Janelle when she was in the house. It, maybe not, but either way, right. the authorities were never uh, able to hear it so or analyze it. But Janice described it as very strange, and it gave her the chills. Hopefully it was on accident. I think it, it might have been on accident she deleted it. I would never go into somebody's house, whether they were there or not. I understand it's different because they weren't there. You're, like, on edge yeah. because you don't know where everybody is, all that kind of stuff. But... I've never gone to somebody else's house and delete their messages. <laughs> or even <laughs> think of sense. listening to it. I mean, maybe to see... I think she was saying, oh, maybe they went somewhere else and they're calling and leaving a message yeah, to their not, own home, but yeah. it doesn't really make because sense. Because of the situation, yeah. I, it makes sense for her to be listening to the, the messages. Normally, no, definitely not. I think that's <laughs> weird. But uh, given the circumstances, I understand her listening to it, but yeah. why would you delete it? That's just more evidence for what's going on. Get yeah, and think, at that point, you know you're in a missing person's situation. Yeah, I think it might have been an accident. However, um, this did prevent the police from using voice ma- t- matching techniques, right. which could have analyzed the voice and helped them. So that's upsetting. Especially because, like, Janelle heard it, too. Right, there so Janelle could have listened to it, could have been like, oh, that voice is the same one I listened mm-hmm. to. It would have put the dots together easier. Unfortunately, by the time the police were called and arrived on scene, it had been over 16 hours since the girls were leaving the graduation party and were technically last seen. Yeah. Authorities found that the beds were slept in, indicating that they did arrive home and nothing unusual happened for a while. And as I mentioned earlier, the strangest part for me is that there was no sign of a struggle at all Mm -hmm. inside the house or outside anywhere. Yeah. It legitimately seems like the women just got up and left the house willingly, leaving everything behind, which obviously doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And there are three of them. So unless there was multiple people involved, I feel like some sort of struggle would have broken out. Also, Cheryl would have done anything to protect Susie. Right. So it's just strange to me how... Uh, easily they left the right. house. Right, it has to be more than one person because there's yeah. if it was even if it's one guy with a gun. Yeah, if there's three of you. You're gonna at least try. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, and also that makes me think because there's no broken windows or locks either. Right, so it makes me think that they opened the door for this person. So it was somebody they were comfortable with. Yes, potentially maybe. 
Now days go by when finally the first tip comes in. A young woman working at George's Diner, which Cheryl and Susie were regulars at, mm-hmm. said that she saw three women the night of their disappearance between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. Uh, this is not too crazy, considering I'm pretty sure after prom, I went yes. to, like, Glendale Diner. Yes, it makes perfect <laughs> sense for them to, after a party at that time in the morning, 100% yeah. makes sense for them to go to a diner. Yeah. And That's where you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and between 1 and 3, it would mean they probably left Janelle's house and went right, right to the diner. And then went home after yes. that, yes. And th- she said that she saw Cheryl there, too, which means that Cheryl probably drove from home to the diner. That's fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, this is important, because it could have meant that something happened to them after they left there. Yeah. However, uh... When Janelle went to the house at 9 a.m. the next morning, it it was pretty obvious that the girls made it home. Yeah. So that really that tip didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Since there were no eyewitness reports that could be corroborated, police began digging into the backgrounds of the women. Their initial suspect was a 28-year-old man named Bart Streeter, who was actually Susie's older brother mm-hmm. and the son of Cheryl. Okay. He was estranged from the family, and Cheryl had actually kicked him out before it when he was in his uh, teenage years and early 20s mm-hmm. for alcohol abuse. Mm. This caused Bart to grab his stuff and move away from the family for 10 years with no contact. Interestingly, he only came back into the family's life in 1991 after a rough breakup with his girlfriend. And I guess he had nowhere else to go. So after 10 years, he went back home. Yeah. And him and Susie were actually sharing an apartment together for a time. So he was able to successfully mend things with the family. Mm -hmm. However, the breakup caused Bart to relapse and he was struggling really badly with alcohol, alcohol abuse again, which led to a physical altercation between him and Susie. Mm. And that's why she moved out and she was living with her mom again. Okay. So he was a suspect right off the bat because of this, and also because uh, he only went into, back into their lives a year before they go missing. Right. However, he was not savvy enough, especially being an alcoholic, uh, to just pull off this three-person abduction with nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also to possibly have murdered them. You know? It just doesn't seem like he has any motive behind it. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they would look into him first early Definitely. on, just because of their history doesn't seem the greatest between him and the rest of the family. But at some point, he did go back to them, and mm-hmm. he does kind of know that he's going to have to fall back on them a lot, so that's not really... He no. wouldn't do that. Yeah. And he also has done interviews um, afterwards, and he says he feels so much pain as a result from the disappearance, and he regrets not being there for a decade. That's, like, his biggest regret. Yeah. So, I honestly, I don't think he has anything to do with it. And if it was him, I feel like at some point... It- it, it's been so long and he was so connected to the family, there would have been some kind of evidence or exactly. something to connect him to it just yeah. because he's such an obvious person to look into. The next suspects were Dustin Reckler and Michael Clay. Dustin was Susie's ex-boyfriend. Dustin and Michael were both previously charged with vandalizing a mausoleum and stealing the gold teeth from the corpses to pawn for money. They couldn't find anything else? They had to pick the teeth? Right? And I like, feel like there's gotta be like a, somebody's ring on their finger or somebody's definitely. necklace, something like that, but they picked the teeth. Yeah, I mean, and whatever. Susie, yeah, Susie found out about this, so she decided to break up with Dustin, I mean, because she was, like, creeped out by it. Yeah. And this caused a lot of resentment from both Michael and Dustin towards Susie, Cheryl, and even Stacy, just because Susie loved her mom and her best friend. Okay, but, like, are they upset that she's mad? I would be mad would if be you mad did too. that. That's so creepy. That's, like, obviously she's going to be upset about that. They were whatever. mad, though. Whatever. <laughs> there are um, reports also of people who heard Michael saying, I wish all three of the women were dead. Mm-hmm. However, this is all word of mouth, so we can't... There's no, you know, evidence that they were right. saying that. And also, um, a lot of the suspects in this case just came forward and said, and confessed and did all this. It was kind of like, what was that case that we were talking about? Where they had the Black Dahlia. Right. They had like 60 confessions. There was a lot of hints. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people were just confessing just to get attention drawn on them. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people would think that, you know, who, whoever said, oh, I heard Michael saying this. They would get interviews, they would do this. Right. So people just wanted attention. Mm-hmm. Another tip that sparked the attention of authorities was from a woman who was sitting on her porch at 6.30 a.m. on the morning the woman disappeared. 
she saw a silver-colored Dodge panel van. And she noticed the van because it, she had never seen it with any of her neighbors before. And it also just looked like a creeper van. Yes. <laughs> she claims that a young woman was driving the vehicle and a man in the passenger seat told her, back out slowly and don't do anything stupid. However, the validity of this is in question because she heard this entire conversation from her porch, right. which is far away. <laughs> right. And also the car was running, it was on. You wouldn't hear two people just talking to each I other. I can't hear somebody standing right next to me, <laughs> let alone that far away with a car running that far away. Yeah. I don't see that. So I do think that this was just maybe, um, maybe she saw that man, but yeah. uh, it was, I don't think it's a, a valid tip because she probably just wanted attention too. And it also could have just been, you know, like a placebo kind of thing. You yeah, want to hear true. something like that because you want to help solve it. That's so true. she might have heard something along the lines and just set, ran with that's what she 100% heard. Yeah. yeah. However, the paper boy from the neighborhood also said that he saw a similar vehicle, but a different okay. color. So that, I mean, oh. either way, See that maybe it was that type of vehicle that took them. Yes, but it's those, all those are all either like silver, or white, you know, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> a tipster from Florida gave the name Robert Craig Cox to authorities. The man who reported him was the brother of 19-year-old Sharon Zellers, who was possibly murdered by Robert in 1978 after her late-night shift at Disney World ended. Robert was at a hotel with his parents that night, celebrating his graduation from basic training to become an army ranger. When his parents fell asleep, though, Robert went out alone. And although we do not know the contents of his night, he did barge into his hotel room, startling his parents awake, and, rep and they reported that he was covered in his own blood, which was coming from his mouth because his tongue had been bitten off. Okay. Isn't that nasty? <laughs> yeah. He told the doctors in the emergency room, oh, I, I bit my own tongue off. Oh, yeah, sure. Because he was obviously trying to cover up whatever happened. Right. But also, can you imagine getting your tongue bit off? I can't even no. bite my tongue without nope. freaking out. Also, like, isn't it a thing that you're, like, you can physically, like, bite off your finger or bite something like that, oh, but your yeah. body, like, stops you from doing that? Yes, it so is. Shouldn't it be the same thing for, like, your tongue? Like, Probably. your body would, like, s literally stop you from doing that? Probably. I didn't think of that. Because right. you can bite off your, like, limbs. Right. But, like, your body, your mind literally yeah. won't let you do it, even though you could. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, just biting your tongue sucks. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Now, he did say that he did it himself. However, the body of Sharon Zellers was found shortly after, only 100 feet from the hotel that he was at. Mm. But they were unable to charge him because DNA evidence testing was not advanced enough yet. Ugh. It was, yeah, I don't know. I hate that. During his time in the army, however, he was charged with assaulting other women as well. Robert also worked with Stacy's dad for a period of time. Mm. And he is now serving a life sentence for other crimes. And he was the prime suspect originally. But it's interesting that he seemed to leave a lot of evidence behind in his other crimes and was eventually caught. Yeah, in this one he didn't. Yes, there's no physical evidence connecting him to the right. case. And his other crimes were one person. This yes. is three people. Right. I don't I don't think it's him, but I just thought it would be interesting to include him because he did have a connection to Stacey's dad. Yeah, as much as this is terrible, he did seem sloppy kind of in his crimes. Yeah. So I don't see someone like him getting away with it for as long as he has. Exactly. Now, investigators actually received a tip from online from a web sleuth. So, mm. you know... Not professional basis. <laughs> yes. This person said that the women's bodies were buried at Cox Hospital in the parking garage. They did use a radar to scan the area and they found three unidentified anomalies that could have potentially been the women, but it would have cost so much money for them to dig it up and they couldn't because there was no professional basis behind it or hard evidence. So they just didn't <sighs> dig it up. Are you serious? That's what I'm saying. Like three is, it seems like it could have been. I mean, I don't think it was, but either way, dig it up just in There's case. There's still something there, There's whether something it's them there. or not. Whether it was them, it might've been three other people. Who right. Knows? Yeah, they didn't dig it up. That's so frustrating. It is frustrating. 
And that's literally all the suspects and tips that I oh. found very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll get into the theories, but first, I want to ask you some questions. Because, yeah. what, like I said, when I'm researching this, my mind's very... It's kind of, like, pre-made because uh-huh. I have my own theory going right. on. And I can't think of it abstractly because mm-hmm. I did so much research into it. But I was wondering, if they did stay by Janelle... Do you think that Cheryl still would have been taken? Or do you think that this was a planned abduction for either all three of them or possibly just for the two girls, but Cheryl was there? I think it was somehow planned. Okay, you think it was planned? I don't think it's just random. Yeah, but also, yeah, I was thinking that because if it was planned, the person would think that they were staying in the hotel. Oh, true. So they wouldn't have expected for them to be back. So maybe it wasn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, because it seems obvious that, like, like we said, there's no forced entry, yeah. and, like that kind of thing. So it makes it seem like it's somebody they know. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like it would have been something more planned. Mm-hmm. But you're right, that day, they wouldn't have even been there. Yeah, because they were supposed to originally stay at the hotel, and they changed right. to Janelle, and they said, oh, no, I'm going back home. So maybe it was somebody trying to do something with Cheryl, and oh, the other two happened to be there. That's interesting, because I didn't think of that. Yeah, maybe it would it was just targeted at Cheryl, but then they were like, oh, shoot, the other two are here now, too. Mm, that would be really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it could have been somebody who um, had close contact with one of their friends, and maybe right. knew that they were changing their mind or was able to see them. Right. So they figured that would be a good night for it because they would have came home tired. Like, mm-hmm. they could have, like, would have been thrown off guard by something like that happening. Yeah. So it might have been somebody that they knew close enough that they would even know that the girls were coming home that night. Interesting. Now, the main theory that I support and also it's generally supported by people okay. is human trafficking. Mm. Because there was no evidence left behind. Right. And a lot of the time with human trafficking it's very organized and planned out Mm -hmm. and it also makes sense why people wouldn't have recognized anyone being suspicious to the girls at the party or i don't know and it also makes sense why they could have staked out the house for a while right which would also make sense for if they're right by the house when somebody comes in Mm -hmm. like they have to be extra careful that nobody figures it out right away kind of thing so they would have had people looking for mike and janelle to go back into the house exactly and also a lot of the times traffickers will present themselves as your friends first Mm -hmm. so they get into your life so it's not like these random people just come and take you a lot of the time it's a friend or a woman who you would trust Mm -hmm. then the men are the ones who usually do you know they they take you and stuff so somebody may have presented themselves as a drunk person at a party, uh, just trying to get close to the girls. Mm-hmm. However, it was Janelle's family party that they went to. So it's not like anyone there was unaccounted for. It was all True. Janelle's, like, blood yes. relatives. Plus, they interviewed everyone from the party that night, and nobody saw anything out of the ordinary with Susie and Stacy. No strange behavior or interactions. Uh, a lot of people say possibly uh, it could have been still been human trafficking, but maybe they pretended to, like, these people pretended to be an authority figure, mm-hmm. like a police officer, which is why they got access right. to the home. then you would get into the house. That would make sense. Um, honestly, human yeah, trafficking it sounds... Doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's somebody from the no. party. Because you would it know, is. like, it, that's all close people. It, it's not, you know, random people aren't coming to somebody's graduation party. Exactly, yeah. But honestly, human trafficking makes sense, and it's really upsetting because, um... They, it's like sad to say, but the more attractive that you are, the higher they can sell you for. Right. And these were three very attractive people, and plus like a mother daughter thing going on. Right. It's just it's creepy, but it's it, like you have to say it. It's just it's right. upsetting. But I I think that out of every theory that I've heard, I don't think this was just a random murder. And even yes. if it was somebody that they knew, I think there would be some kind of behavior leading up to it. You'd be able to trace it somehow. There'd right. be evidence. Right. There was just nothing. This just seems very organized to me. Yes, I agree. I think it makes, it does lend itself for, to this theory. So what do you think? That's all I have on this case. <laughs> I mean, I really, like, that's not where my mind would have went at first, that it was human trafficking, but that does make perfect sense. Yeah. 
I still don't necessarily know if it's somebody that they would have known mm-hmm. that did it per se, but it had to at least be somebody pretending to be a friend. Yeah, or to get in. The authority figure um, was interesting to me because I I know a lot of times police officers have they kind of get paid off by uh, yes in term like even even like drug trafficking like that right. kind of stuff. Yes. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody who maybe they did trust because it was somebody who had a position of authority. Right. Not it doesn't even have to necessarily be somebody they know, but somebody that you would normally just open your door for. Exactly. So that does make sense to me, and I the I, the part that's bothering me this is so random and so specific, <laughs> but I feel like something must have happened for the light, oh yeah, porch light to shatter or something like mm-hmm. that. So I feel like that could have come up with something. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel like they were. You know, you would knock the light out if you don't want somebody seeing into the house. Yeah. You would knock the light out if something suspicious was happening. So I feel like something could have came from that if yeah. they didn't sweep it up. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You can't go back to change that. But. No, you can't. And it's also sad because if it is trafficking, that would make sense because there was no evidence of murder in this case. Right. Which would make me think that they were alive for at least a while afterwards. Yes. Or could be still alive. Or could still be, yeah. Which is so sad to me. That's like... I'm saying this to you. That's, like, more sad to me than murder. Right. And uh, it's sad, too, because they were 18, 19. They just gra- they graduated the day right. before. So this happened in the 90s. They would still be, like, young, young. women. Like, yeah. so they would still have a life that they could be living if they were still alive and they could get out of that kind of situation if that is what they're in. Also, I was thinking, this wasn't that long ago. It was 1992. Right. So weren't there cameras, like, on stores and on uh, main roads? I would roads? think so. Uh, like, even if the homes didn't have a camera, it's, this is in Missouri, it's not like it's a populated place, like, you know, here in New York, yeah. where there's a, a million of cars passing a day. Right. This, I feel like they could have taken, or at least what I would have done, mm-hmm. um, I would have taken a camera that was on the main road, mm-hmm. and then I would have tracked every vehicle that I saw past it, at least for that day. Honestly, I don't see how they wouldn't have the capability to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they don't, but mm-hmm. to me, the 90s seems like a time period that would yeah. would be able to do something like that. Yeah, I mean, the cameras probably weren't good. They still aren't. But right, but as long as you <laughs> can get something. a license plate number, or even if you can't get the license plate, just the model of the car. Yeah, exactly. That would at least allow you to narrow some stuff down. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you have any other theories besides this one. Um, this is one that we lean towards, but we'd love to hear all your opinions. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back with more of Shannon's conspiracy theories right after this break. Hey queens, welcome back to the second half of this week's episode. So this week I'm going to be covering a conspiracy theory that is very much in the vein of, say, the Denver International Airport. Okay, interesting. So I'm going to be discussing the conspiracy that surrounds the Stanley R. Mickelson Safeguard Complex in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I never heard of this. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it either. I was looking at, I wanted to do another one that's like an Illuminati type Mm. situation. So when I was snooping around for those, this is one of the first ones that came up. So before I get into the theory, I'm going to talk about the creation and purpose of the building. Now, although this isn't super relevant to the theory... Stanley R. Mickelson himself was the commanding general of the U.S. Army Air Control, and during his tenure in the Air Force, he helped oversee the transition of weapons from just basic guns and weaponry to anti-ballistic missile systems. So basically nuclear weapons and missiles, things like that. So although Stanley himself isn't really relevant to the theory, the idea of him helping create nuclear weapons and nuclear defense is very relevant. Okay. 
Now, the system that I mentioned, the anti-ballistic missile system, is the main original purpose behind the complex. It was made to be support to the Safeguard Anti-Ballistic Missile Program. Okay. Now, this is basically just a system designed to protect America's ballistic missiles from being attacked. And how big is this complex? The complex is big, so I'm going to get into the main building that people like have their theories about. Okay. Oh, wait, there's multiple Yeah, so it's a whole complex. So there's bunkers, there's... Mm the main building there's other there's a giant field that would have been used for basically support around so this is a huge property it's not just the one main building that most people know about so specifically it was designed this was in the 70s when it was made so you have to think about the time period during then it would have been right around the end of the cold war so people are worried about russia sending missiles over this is also at the beginning of when people were really starting to worry about china doing things like that So that was why this was made during the time period that it was. Now the site was opened, not fully, but at minimal capacity on April 1st, 1975. On October 1st of the same year, the complex was opened up to full capacity. However, only one day later, on October 2nd, Congress voted to defund the project, Mm -hmm. after stating that the safeguard initiative and facility were ineffective. It also appears that it was closed due to some safety concerns, and the cost of the facility, which it costs several billion dollars to make and billions of dollars to actually run the program itself. That's crazy. That's like the uh, Denver airport costs a lot, too. Right. It, it costs... <laughs> it, it's, it's not even just... The building alone costs billions of dollars. And then when you put in the purpose and the actual program that they were trying to run, it was a lot, a lot of money to yeah. spend at that time period. Now, although people were worried about the cost, its closure did have a big negative effect on the regional and local economy in the area as many became unemployed and many depended on that facility for their jobs, and the area's population drastically decreased in the years since 1975. Now, Is this a particularly populated area? No. Okay. So Grand Forks itself like, is the greater area, basically, yeah. and that has a decent population, but the actual area that it is in, like the complex is located, is very, very small. Okay. I, especially now. At least then you had people that might have traveled for the area for work, but now it's a really, really small area. Now, the theories arose because why would a facility that was only fully operational for 24 hours cost billions of dollars and whose purpose was still something that was relevant Mm -hmm. because we were still worried about missiles like that happening in 1975. It's not like that got solved in a year. It's something we're still worried about. (laughs) So why would something that still has a relevant purpose be so suddenly shut down? So it's, was it shut down for good? Yes, it has not been used for government purposes since. That's weird. Right. And I so, thought you were going to say open back up eventually no. and then shut down. For it has since then. For I mean, one day. Into it what it does now. Yeah. But just government purpose and for the actual purpose of the safeguard That's program. Sketchy. Yeah. It was fully operational for literally 24 hours. No. Something is going <laughs> on there. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't make sense at all, especially considering all the money that had already been put yeah. into it that you can't get back. Now, the first thing that people love to point out when talking about this facility is the shape of its most eye-popping feature, the Nakoma Pyramid. That serves as its base. Now, I will post a picture of it. <laughs> However, the shape is just like a pyramid except missing the point. Like an unfinished pyramid. Okay. Now, this is very similar to the pyramid, like say on the dollar bill, just without the eye on top, basically. <laughs> now, needless to say, that shape has been connected to <laughs> theories about organizations such as the Illuminati uh-huh. and Freemasonry for years. So Freemasonry, sh- we still have to do that. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. that's going to be its own yeah. separate thing. Because the Illuminati is fascinating to me. Freemasonry is even more fascinating to yeah. me, just because, 
Like, we know it's legit. <laughs> we know it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. So it's just a cover-up, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to go into Freemasonry <laughs> at length at some point. I love the Illuminati. That's what originally got me sucked in. But Freemasonry fascinates me even more. Yeah. So, obviously, we all know that shape is very connected to Definitely. those kinds of organizations. So when people see that, they instantly become suspicious. Uh, when I was reading about the benefits of this shape on a building like that, it did seem that it was just an ideal shape for the kind of program that was being run there. Yeah. And just it would be the ideal shape for the building to have as much space as they possibly could. Okay. But I don't know why pyramid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I see why people are like, mm, that's odd. Now, also this base is truly in the middle of nowhere, like I said. When I was reading descriptions from people that have visited the area, there was like a diner, a store, that was the entire town. <laughs> yeah. Where you could buy your food, where you can go eat, and that was literally it. Mm -hmm. The nearest gas station was like 40 miles away or something like that, so it's literally the That's middle crazy. of nowhere. That's crazy. How do you yes. do anything? I have no idea how people actually live in an area no. that small that has literally nothing going on. If you on run there. out of gas, you're screwed. Right. You're pushing your car. Yeah. <laughs> or you're calling AAA, whichever one. Now, like I said before, the whole of Grand Forks has a decent sized population. However, Nakoma, which is the area that specifically has the complex, has been fluctuating around 50 people in it. That's it? 50 people. Can you imagine yeah. living in no, a town I of can't. 50 You people? know everybody. Right. And I, I so couldn't bored. do that. And also 50 people. There's some families that probably have a couple people in it. Like, you have kids. Oh, yeah, true. So it's probably, like, five families. families. Yeah. Like, not even that. Like, so yeah. that's crazy to me. Now... Why would a major government project feel the need to put a key defense program? Because remember, this is still the height of, or at least towards the end of the Cold War. So this is still a thing that we're worried about. Yeah, so definitely. why would you put that in the middle of nowhere? Hmm. Now, the best reason I found for choosing this exact location was that if a missile were to have been launched over the North Pole towards the U.S., launching an interception from this specific town in North Dakota would have been most ideal for that scenario. Okay. Like, basically just sh shooting it down yeah. if it was coming straight towards the U.S. over the North Pole, which, again, right now we're worried about... At this time, you're worried about Russia and China doing that, so it would make sense with that location. Now, it's worth noting that we do know what happened to what was inside the facility. Okay. The weapons, as part of an agreement with Russia, when they... Because that's one of the other main reasons why they say that they closed down the facility, because... They had reached basically a peace treaty with Russia and signed a document stating they could only have so many of these facilities open okay. in each country. So after they signed this, the weapons that were inside were brought to Texas and destroyed. That's crazy because you would think that if they were only allowed to have a certain number of facilities, they would know that while they were building it. Right. Or at least you would know that that treaty might be in the works. Yeah. So you wouldn't open as many as the U.S. did because there were several facilities that were like this. There were only three that made it into being fully in production and yeah. in use. However, they were plans to make a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Now, most do not believe that this facility would be used as a headquarters for a group such as the Illuminati, which I will get into why in a minute. But many believe that this facility would be used as a bunker for elite citizens or as an underground transport mm, for them. That makes sense. Very similar in the vein of when we talked about the Denver International Airport and there were known tunnels underneath. Now, on the complex, there is a for sure confirmed bunker that has actually been sold and bought, just like most of the parts of this complex. The man who bought this section, named Melbourne San, actually sells tours of the bunker <laughs> and has a bunch of ideas for what he wants to do with it, including turning it into basically 
a party hall or a bed oh, and wow, breakfast. That would be so which much. That fun. would be so fun to have a party down there. If they do that, we're going. A hundred percent. Or this is even better. Or host a family survivor-like TV show. Oh, yes. <laughs> where families can win spots in the bunker in order to go there in case there's like doomsday. I love that. How fun would that, that be? That would be so fun. <laughs> so yeah. So he he goes there every summer. Him yeah. and his daughter actually help give the tours for people that want to go. You can literally go and visit his bunker. We should do that. It was it was only like twelve yeah, bucks or something like that. I definitely. saw. So why not? <laughs> now, he does say that he's not a doomsday prepper, just someone who had an interest in owning a bunker. He had previously tried to buy one in New York, and the deal just fell through. Mm-hmm. I read. So, it's, he's not really a doomsday prepper, just something he, I guess, always wanted yeah. to do. Now, although we obviously know that one is sold and used it does lead many to believe that there are several other bunkers and underground walkways that are in the facility just unknown to the public which i think is very possible i think such an important facility you wouldn't really just have one bunker you would have several yeah definitely. for some people with different kinds of clearances kind of got different kind of bunkers mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that is something that people think about often now the msr building which that's the initial for the pyramid building <laughs> has become rot with water damage over the years, so it is nearly impossible to really explore all of its corners inside of the building. Now, I mentioned before that there were several parts of the complex that have been sold. Most of the pyramid and the surrounding field that I mentioned were purchased by a Hutterite colony, which basically compare them to, like, the Amish. Okay. So this caused a little backlash, as the town itself was interested in buying it. However, as of 2020, locals were able to purchase a part of the complex, which, considering the local economic damage that occurred when the facility was shut down, I think that's a really positive thing. Now, also, the government has spent the money to repair the pyramid building, so as that gets done, the ease at which you could enter the building would increase. Now, there are some videos and pictures from inside the MSR building itself. Now, of course, this would be something that would be easily faked. However, there is some very credible, it seems, pictures and videos taken from inside. Now, like I said before, a lot of it is super damaged, but the government is going to be paying for that to fix it. And there were actually, originally when the building closed down, the local area and government was willing to rent out the area for other offices and things like that. However, that has since stopped because the water damage and the building got so bad that somebody actually, the floor fell through while somebody oh no. was standing and they fell through the floor. So They died? I believe they did. Oh my God, so, so after sad. that, they haven't been renting out the building for public use or for private businesses to rent out the area. But that was what they were doing initially. Okay. So do I, that's why a lot of people don't think that this could be a headquarters of some sort because because they were renting it out so. yes and we do know what's inside of it mm-hmm. so like i said i think a lot of the things i think if there was something suspicious happening i certainly think maybe early on there was during the it's sort of like area 51 where we feel like things were going on inside of it right but now that it's so popularized now they would move happening. that because yeah. you're not going to risk being caught of yes. that right and remember there was from april to october it wasn't at full capacity use and there was that long period of time where they took to construct it that yeah. i do think there probably was something fishing going on in the area and in the complex at its early stages definitely so and like you said before it might have just so many people have theorized about it now that they wouldn't risk keeping dangerous stuff in there now 
So yeah, that's basically all the specific information I can find on it. Uh, like I said, a lot of people really just see that it was only in use for a day, which don't get me wrong, very odd Sketchy. that you would spend billions of dollars on something that's only done for a day, and the shape, but there's no specific kind of things that people really pinpoint. It's like, that definitely means that it's yeah. being used or connected to these kinds of organizations. Very different from the Denver airport where it's a lot of symbolism everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was so, a lot, yeah. I do think maybe this probably was used by something sketchy. It was just so long ago that they've kind of taken that out once the building wasn't in use anymore. Mm -hmm. But if you have any other evidence or have seen photos or are interested in this theory, please let us know because I'd be definitely interested in seeing more definitive proof on it. And if there are any other kinds of buildings or complexes or abandoned mm, places, things like that, that yeah. you want us to cover, I'm super interested in those kinds of theories. So yes. if there's a specific topic you want us to talk about, definitely let us know. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Tune in every Friday for more mystery and madness. Bye, queens. <laughs>